0: We know that somewhere in the world someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pullup. That's ListenerQ.com slash pullup. I will say this. Kyrie Irving's not walking through that door, and he's a guy who was able to get 40 and hit big shots down the stretch. So they're going to need Kevin Love to be aggressive and efficient and stay healthy throughout this series, and they're going to need an aggressive George Hill to have a chance. I don't see him winning two games. I could be wrong, but I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I think anything is possible. You never know what's going to happen throughout a series. There have been injuries, there have been foul trouble situations that you can't control, and that just kind of come about. But based on the depth and the situation with the matchups, I don't see the Cavs winning two games. I think Bron's good enough to win one, and I think he's good enough to be competitive in every game. But I don't think they have the firepower to be able to really get through this. Welcome to the ninth episode of Pull Up. CJ McCullum here, big bro in the building. Actually, I'm in his building in Istanbul, Turkey. We got Rick Riley serving as underdog. That's right, I use this government name, Rick Riley, underdog, right now out in Turkey as well. Going to be doing some research for us, uh, making sure our facts are straight regarding this Pushy T and Drake battle, regarding this uh, Colangelo story uh, with the burner accounts, and also regarding some lyrics that were discussed uh, in some of these diss tracks. But, uh, we also will have Jordan Schultz joining us, as always, looking forward to you know, a pretty good conversation where we will discuss our childhood, what it was like to grow up as friends, what it was like for me to be uh, known as Eric's little brother, among other things. So, without further ado, Eric, welcome to Pull Up. How's hey. it feel? It <laughs> feels good. Thanks for having me, bro. No problem at all. appreciate it. And, and right as we speak, mom is trying to FaceTime us, so I'm going to have to hit decline and uh, call her back, but... First, I want to talk a little bit about you know, our mom's influence. Speaking of mom, you know, since she was you know, one of the key factors in you know, raising us and, and helping us develop into the, the man we are, so let's talk a little bit about mom's influence and how she forced us to be best friends. A lot of people don't understand the story behind that or the story behind um, you know, why we even play basketball, but before that, I have to tell people, Eric is the third official guest. He's one of the reasons why I wear number three. I walked like you. I talked like you. I wanted to live like you. So I just want to
1: appreciate. I want to tell you thank you for all you've done in my life. I appreciate that. Just try to set an example for you, and you kept me on my toes. You know, if I didn't have you watching my every move, you know, I wouldn't have been as careful, and I wouldn't have tried to set the best example
2: always. I appreciate the kind words, my friend, Jordan. What's up, Bubby? Listen, I, here you know here's the deal with Eric, and I got some beef there that I was waiting. <laughs> Eric doesn't even know about this, but. As a three-time champion with Overseas Elite in TVT, uh, Eric has also set the tone there. And uh, as my team lost in the Super 16 to the Syracuse team last year and got to see Eric play, and A, I thought that is literally CJ 2.0, or that's the original CJ, because you guys have a lot of the same similarities on the court. And B, I just don't like the way Eric has been always winning these (laughs) championships, and I want to know what it would take financially to get him on my team, Team Fancy. <laughs> financially, Because he averaged, it looked like he averaged like 14. You were a really good player for a really good team, but I think it might be time to switch. Oh, uh, I can't. I can't do that. Um,
1: <laughs> you we're know, we winning championships, and I just think it'd be unwise for me to leave. And You know, I developed some bonds with the guys, and, you know, I, I can't jump shit. I, I get you. <laughs>
2: well, speaking of leaving, um, I know we'll get into it, but This is a 2018 kind of day with uh, Kim Kardashian leaving her comfort zone to go into the White House to talk about prison reform and uh, Brian Colangelo uh, leaving his comfort zone with burner accounts. What do you think about that, CJ?
0: I think this is a very, very interesting situation. Uh, I was telling E last night he was asleep. I stayed up a little past my bedtime, you know, with the with the time time zone change here being in Turkey, I was up to about six thirty A.M., you know, reading tweets, you know, putting the poll up for this situation with the Pusha T versus Drake. But with the Colangelo story, I think it's just very interesting. Um he's allegedly being accused of basically Talking about players on his on his team, you know following you know members of the media, encouraging media members to ask certain questions regarding players uh, in the past and players currently on the roster uh, there's rumors that you know he basically tweeted about trades that were going to happen before they happened, talked about injuries you know on certain players i won 't name names, but we all know who they are on on why trades weren't going through also had the uh, audacity allegedly the audacity to talk about his his collar. And how, how just basically how much he's right the ship that uh, Sam Hinkie left behind. And I think it's very KD like. Shout out to my guy KD for, for you know revolutionizing the burner found on Twitter. But this is next level having five or six accounts on Twitter and, and basically defending yourself while, you know, allegedly following, you know, members of the family, members of uh, other teams and talking about other front office people as well, Jordan. I think this is a very interesting situation. Eric actually read the article as
1: well, so I want to get his thoughts on a burner account. Do you
0: have a burner account?
1: (laughs) Never, never. I think Twitter is a good source to kind of see what's going on, to get your opinion out. And, you know, the hide behind it is, you know, it's not professional, especially at a higher level um, when you're in a position of management. It's just something that you shouldn't do. And if you have something to say, you know, you should come out and just say it yourself. You know He's in a position of power. Um, if he's vocal about something, I don't think he should hide behind it. And as he's seen from the examples of other people, how the burner f- Twitter worked out, um, I think it's something that you should kind of shy away from and, and not take parts of it. And just the fact that he's denying it, if it comes out that it's true, he's just making matters much worse. And once
0: again, we want to remind ladies and gentlemen out there that are listening that this is allegedly, you know, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. Uh, we're not sure if he did it or not. I'm not sure if he did it or not. No one knows, but it is a good story. And if it's not true, this is just very, very unfortunate. That uh, <laughs> it's very, very unfortunate that it, this is happening right after Brett Brown receives a three-year extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. There was also some things discussed about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Obviously, um, so one one thing in particular that was said involved the fact that. Joel Embiid was dancing on stage during a Meek Mill concert, you know, after getting surgery and was out for the season, and people weren't happy about that. And the the account essentially said that Joel was upset because it's now Ben Simmons' team. So, uh, if these if these allegations are actually true, there was a there was a lot of you know personal things said about Embiid, Fultz, and Simmons. Simmons being more of the the guy that was pumped up, you know, on the actual Twitter. There's also. Things that have happened in the past involving Roger Goodell's wife tweeting on behalf of Roger Goodell, basically supporting her husband and, and coming at some of the people on Twitter who like to attack and essentially troll, so to speak. And obviously, me being a guy who enjoys trolling and enjoys being on Twitter, I had to tweet at Joy Unbeed, you know, basically asking how happy he was in Philly after all this happened. You know, all in good fun, of course. You know, being friends with the guy, being a a colleague, I had to inquire about the situation over there because. You know, this is this is a very serious allegation, and I felt like, you know, with his talent, you know, he, it's, it's important for him to be happy in Philly or somewhere else.
2: <laughs> just a colleague, right? He's just a colleague of yours. He's he's a peer. Yeah, exactly. CJ, I saw that you uh, you hit up Joel on Twitter asking him if he's happy in Philly. Just give me a sense of what it would feel like to get Mister Embiid in Portland in a Blazer uniform. With you and Mr. Lillard, I have to preface this with uh, the fact that I'm very happy with Nurk's performance and his con- his ability to continue
0: to develop. I think that he showed flashes of brilliance. I think that you know, with this being his first year of of big time minutes, you know, having a, a huge role in our team, us needing to depend on him to not only score but rebound and defend. I think he's done a, a terrific job and is continuing to get better. So I, I think that you know, based on what he's done and what he's shown, he'll be a, a big big piece for our future going forward. Uh, Obviously, free agency and things like that are out of our control, but looking forward to having him. But Joel Embiid is an all-star caliber player. Obviously, he he helps any roster, not just ours. And obviously, you know, you've seen it. Philly would clean house in the front office before they got rid of one of their uh, cornerstone pieces in Joel Embiid. But if they were to give him up, I'm sure a lot of teams would be excited about the opportunity uh, to potentially have him. And you know since we're in Turkey, I'm visiting big bro watching watching the actual tournament right now as we speak Fender's playing on TV. You guys are in a series uh, right now against uh, one of our childhood friends and you know aka enemies at McKinley High School, Raymar Morgan. It's crazy to see how far we've come you know from from canton ohio to to being in Europe to having podcasts and doing things of this nature and just kind of talk about your career how your career has evolved obviously you've played in china you've played in euro league you've led you've led leagues in scoring you've won championships uh, you've started off not making a lot of money you started off you know having doubts about whether or not you should continue to play just as i did when i was younger now you're making a lot of money living a good life is this how you envisioned it and kind of how has your career evolved since our J-Babe Stern days, and we have to talk about the J-Babe Stern days because <laughs> people don't realize, you know, I was a guy who was, you know, on the lazy side. I like to watch TV. I like to watch cartoons. I like to stay the night at my friend's houses. And Eric, you know, he liked to count his shots, and he wouldn't let me stay at night at my friend's house if I wasn't going to come work out in the morning. And if I did, he would come get me at like eight or nine in the morning. So it was just a hassle for me to stay at my friend's house. But just kind of talk about the vision. You had early on for how you wanted our lives to be, and, and how you were such a forward thinker so early on in our lives. Because I didn't see the bigger picture; I just wanted to play in the NBA, and I just thought it was going to happen. I didn't understand the work that was going to go into it.
1: I think to clarify things, it's just a matter of where we come from, Canton, um, Ohio. A lot of people don't get a chance to make it out. Um, by make it out, there's many different, you know, avenues for that. Um, you can use education. Um, a lot of people in, you know, the inner cities, you know, rely on sports, um, music, those type of things. So the way we grew up. Um education was always the number one priority um Unfortunately, we weren't in a position where our parents could afford college um so we had to use um sports as a way to take advantage of the education and so I knew at an early age um <laughs> my father told um, me and c j that um we'd have to get a scholarship because you know he couldn't afford college, and my mom was very upset. And I don't know if it was a motivational tactic or what, but I know they couldn't afford it. Um, And I don't know how we were gonna figure it out. But at that moment, you know, I just decided that I wanted to lighten their load. Um, And the only way I knew how was was through the game of basketball. And from that moment, you know, I pushed myself and CJ. You know, I always envisioned us, you know, more so dreamed it of us being here. And along the way, it doesn't go, it doesn't go right. You know, sometimes there's detours on the road. There's many obstacles and, maybe you have a dream of going to this big power school and it doesn't happen. You know, I end up at Goshen College. He ends up at Lehigh. And so now you have to adjust. Uh, You have to change your your mindset. You have to work even harder and you still have to stay optimistic, which is extremely difficult. And then it gets to the point where you're, you know, maybe you're dominating in college. You're an All-American and an injury comes. CJ breaks his foot. Um, Now we're thinking, oh man, uh, is he still going to be uh, a high level draft pick because he's still going to be first round. Um, he came back to school for a senior year. Did we advise him wrong? Um, it's lots of pressures to deal with it. You know, as far as my career, you know, my first year, things didn't go right. Um, I had that adjustment period, um, just trying to adjust to Europe, trying to prove myself in Europe. It's not common for younger players to play. So after going through that, um, I kind of persevered and I made my footing. And then CJ, fast forward, went through the same thing in Portland. Uh, his first two years, he doesn't really play much. He's in and out of the rotation. Um, did I believe he was a max player? Of course, but did I think he was gonna get it? You never know because the NBA and overseas, as I learned is a, a game of opportunity. So that's just to give you a little background on you know where we came from and how I see how our story has kind of developed over time. So we've been very blessed. We've been fortunate. Um, I, I'd be lying if I tell you I saw everything to end like this, I didn't. Um, Once we started to see more and more, uh, we got greedy and we took it upon ourselves to get even more if we can and to continue to help others and and make an impact. And I think he's doing a good job at that.
0: You heard that Jordan, you heard that story about overcoming obstacles. Life's about overcoming obstacles and turning nothing into something. You got a question, I think you got a question.
2: Yeah, I do, well my thing is just, is one for each of you one is because I know CJ you were a fresh was was it your freshman year when Eric was a senior you were on the JV and Eric was on the varsity in high school yes so okay first question for Eric is at what point did you realize CJ had a chance had a chance to be an NBA player and then B CJ if it wasn't for Eric are you in the NBA today
1: I first noticed um, he had a chance when he would play up a grade or two um, in AAU. Um, most people don't know CJ is a year younger than his class. Um, we started out school early. Um, our parents are divorced. Um, they did a good job of co-parenting us, but um, there was no babysitter. They were both working, so my mom started him one year early, and her intention was to hold him back if um, the coursework was too much. But um, he sped through it, and he 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 strived well at it, and she kept him in him, and at this point. You know, he, he played up a grade, he played up two grades, and he continued to play with people who were three and four years older than him. And so I saw he had potential. But when I really knew, I think he was a freshman, he was on J V and he played so well that in Ohio we have a rule that you can only play five quarters. Um so they would save him three quarters for the J V and two quarters for the varsity. And this is a kid who was five foot two, who was playing three quarters and scoring twenty-five points a game on J V. And so I was like, Oh, at five foot two, if he can just hit this spurt, I said he got a chance. <laughs>
0: That's a bar, though, for for y'all listening out there. Twenty five points in three quarters. That's a bar.
1: Take, take that with y'all.
0: Take that with y'all for sure. But no, I mean he's right. I was I was hundred and eight pounds. My freshman the year. The picture is real. Huh? I'm here no, to testify. That picture is real. And the funny part about that picture is that that was my sophomore year in high school. Yeah. That wasn't even my freshman year. Yeah,
2: he, so was, he was a little that bit That wasn't your that freshman
0: picture. year? No, yeah. that was my sophomore year. I was five 5'6 at that point in that
1: picture. 5'6 on the roster. Probably what year did five, you make five. the varsity? You made varsity I, as a sophomore.
0: I, I uh, came off the bench my sophomore year on varsity. I averaged 6.7 points per game off the bench. CJ, I started as a sophomore. You did? I was ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. You know who? You know who else was ahead? I of was me? on pace everybody, to be CJ. Everybody in my draft oh. class was ahead of me, but you see what happens. People get people get caught in a hurry. That's just the way it works. But your second question was, "Do I make it to the NBA without him?" Absolutely not. I don't think I would have developed the the proper character, the understanding of basketball, the the ability to overcome obstacles, and just from a work ethic standpoint, I don't think I would have had it on my own. I, I needed help. I needed help to. To be molded, to learn right from wrong. I think, you know, being in high school and having an older brother, you hang out with older people early on in your life. So you kind of learn right from wrong early. You try to be cool. You try to stay out the way. And you learn to listen more than you speak. And I mean, even now, I love to talk, and I talk too much at times. But I still learned a lot about just hanging out with older people and how to carry myself. And it, the funny thing is that. You know even when I would go to parties when I was younger and in, and in high school I was Eric's little brother so I wasn't allowed to do anything. Eric's little brother's not allowed to drink Eric's little brother wasn't allowed to partake in anything because of you know him and his celebrity and how people respected and knew him. So that's kind of how I, I basically had an easy pass through high school in terms of not really being involved in a lot of altercations because I was protected. So I think just having that protection, having that understanding of how life is supposed to be with a brother that goes right, you decide to go right too. And if he was going left, I was following him because that was big bro. So you're gonna do whatever your big bro does nine times out of ten. So, you know, I owe him a lot, and you know we understand and appreciate each other and what we bring to each other in terms of friendship and relationship, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're best friends to this day. Besides, my mom forcing us to hang out and forcing <laughs> us to be friends and. You know, I remember times where he wanted to go kick it, and my mom would always tell him that if you're going to kick it, CJ going to kick it too. So, you know, be weary of what you're putting in front of him because you know he's three and a half years younger than you. So don't expose him to too much too early on. And uh, that's just kind of the way it's always been. And as I got better in sports, they enjoyed hanging out with me more because you know at first my outs may not have counted in baseball, but then they started to count, and then my points started to count in basketball as I got better. And the next thing you know, you know, I'm getting picked up before some of the older kids. So. You know that's kind of how it's it's always worked for us, and you know I always always tell E like I sh- like he always says it too like he should have been at a school like Lehigh mid major and I should have been at a bigger school and you know it, it, things happen for a reason and things work out worked out well to where you know he makes good money he's in a good situation in Europe but you know it's, it's funny how life works because you know life could have been a lot different for the both of us if I ended up at a D two school or vice versa. Speaking of Europe, we're in Europe right now. You guys are in the midst of a, a playoff series down 0-2. Please avoid the sweep. I, I can't take any more sweeps. I've had enough <laughs> had enough of getting swept. Uh, I've, I've held down the sweeping for the family for years now, and um, it's time for somebody to get, get some more wins. And you guys are battling and competing. You've been in Europe for a long time and played against a lot of good players. First, what's the best country you've played in outside of Turkey in terms of uh, overall life, experience, food? competitiveness and then we'll talk a little bit about China obviously a lot of people may not be aware you scored what 82 mm-hmm. 82 points in a game broke the CBA record Chinese legend Uh in overseas legend talk about Europe and the- your favorite country you've played in then we can talk about some of the best players you've played against in Europe
1: yeah don't worry I think we gonna avoid the sweep uh, we got a home game tomorrow so hopefully we come out strong but um the favorite country so far for me is Israel um, Playing in the EuroLeague, you're fortunate enough to travel through many countries. Um, I've probably been to maybe 15, 20 countries, you know, and every time you go, you're there three, four days, you know, preparing for the game, and sometimes you get, you know, to find some time where you can sightsee and, you know, take in the culture and what the country has to offer. But Israel is just beautiful. Um, it's warm all year round. Um, everybody speaks English. Um, they even speak slang, and they understand you don't have to sl- slow down your speech or anything like that. Um, the food is great. Um, I've been invited to many Shabbat dinners myself, and I can tell you the Israeli people were very welcoming, and were very warming, and just allow you to feel like you're at home. Um, I also enjoy the beach, and I think um, it's just a special place, Um, especially if you go to um, Jerusalem. You know, no matter what your religion is, um, every religion is represented there, um, from Muslim, from Christianity, uh, obviously Jewish, everything is there, and it's just a special place um, where, I think it's like Tel Aviv is a little bit of like Miami and then, you know, Jerusalem is a place you go and you know, you can get your spiritual healing. So by far, um if there's any place I like to visit or I recommend anybody who's never been abroad, I would recommend Israel.
0: I didn't get to the list. Jordan, have you been to Israel?
2: I have. I went to Israel as a uh as a kid before my bar mitzvah, uh growing up Jewish and um it's a really special place, but I want I need to go back. Israel's one of those places. Were you in uh were you in Haifa? Uh wh- where were you, Eric? In my, Jerusalem?
1: My first year I was in um, Netanya. and my second year I was in Fasaba. Yes. So Netanya was about mm, 25 minutes from Tel Aviv and Fasaba was 10 minutes from Tel Aviv. So I was in a great location.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just great. It's a it's an incredibly cool place. Very spiritual obviously in Jerusalem, but but Tel Aviv is like a, one of those really world-class cities and oh, uh, awesome. they love their hoops over there as you know
0: yes yeah, they love they love basketball everywhere especially especially in europe and china we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss this i hate to switch topics a little bit but i have to push a t drake um diss tracks have been made i've enjoyed this more than i probably should you know it's gotten personal people are talking about people's baby mamas people are talking about people's Fiances, mothers, mothers' names are actually being mentioned now. Fathers' names are being mentioned and compared to Steve Harvey in terms of suits and ability to not wear nice suits. Um, I think that J. Cole, uh, not not J. Cole, I think Drake essentially called um, Pusha T an approachable guy. He said, there's no malice in your heart. And I think the malice pun was more... Specified to his brother so there's just a lot of drama going on right now the internet can't really handle it and i couldn't handle it myself you know staying up till about 6 or 7 a.m because you know, obviously there's nothing else to do you know with my life and that the playoffs is over and you can only work out for so many hours and you can only FaceTime for so many hours before you know it's time to get in on the fun so speaking of getting in on the fun we did a poll multiple polls actually I joked and said, Drake in six, Drake in seven, or push a T in six, push a T in seven. And the people have spoken in a big, big way. And I'm going to scroll and find it. The results are in. There's 15,197 votes on, on my page. And 38% of the people who voted believe Push is going to win in six, which is impressive because Drake hasn't responded to the most recent disc um, that is basically insinuating that Drake has a, a baby by a woman and is not in the baby's life as much as he should be and has called him a deadbeat father. Rick has the lyrics handy right now as we speak. But first, I have to get your thoughts, Eric, on this diss track. Eric thinks it's more of a song. He's not really sold on it. Jordan's only listened to it once, so I don't think he actually cares about what's going on <laughs> you know, in the rap world. But I care, so I have
2: to get uh, you guys I'm gonna defer to, yeah, I'm going to defer to the McCollum Brothers. you going to
0: defer to the McCollum Brothers on this one?
2: All I would say is there is a limit. I think I think he went over the line. <laughs> you, think, you think that he crossed the line? See the the uh, the Twitter
0: the Twitter yeah. heads believe that there is no line to cross when you are rap battling because anything goes. You know, basically, some people think that he could have crossed the line even further and took a picture with Drake's son. You know, Fifty Cent. You know, has been involved in some beefs in the past, and he he you know took it a step further and went on to make a uh, sex tape with Rick Ross's baby mother and sent it to him. So I think that is next level um, dissing someone, you know, to, to make a you know, provocative tape with someone's uh, baby mother and send it to them in the mail. But Pusha T essentially, you know, went right at his head and said that Dennis Graham, stay off the Graham, curse word, I'm on one. You mentioned wedding ring like it's a bad thing. Your father walked away at five, hell of a dad thing. Wow, and this is this is tough because, you know, Drake is obviously he loves his mama in his bed, his bed and his mama, as he says in the song, and he's directly speaking on, on Drake's mother here. And as we all know, you know, growing up in inner city and outside of inner city, you know, you talk about somebody's mama, it's automatic fighting words, and you really have to square up with somebody. Underdog, A.K.A. Rick, is passing something, you know, to me right now on the Breakfast Club. Pusha said that Drake crossed the line when he mentioned his girl, so the gloves came off. So Drake specifically mentions Virginia Williams, who's Pusha T's fiance, and that's when Pusha T went on to mention everyone in Drake's family. So I think we should be on the lookout for this. I hope no one gets hurt, honestly. I just want to see a clean, you know, well, maybe a little dirty in terms of the lyrics and explicit content in the lyrics, but I don't want to see anybody getting hurt or or harmed, you know, because of what's going on here, but... I'm reading now, I told you keep playing with my name and I'ma let it ring on you like Virginia Williams. I'm too resilient, get out your feelings. That was the Drake line where he referenced Virginia Williams who's uh, Pusha T's fiance. So that that was a tough one. If somebody talked about my girl like that, I would be upset too. And not only has he talked about Drake's baby mother, but he's talking about Drake's mother and father as well. So he just put the whole family tree in there. And, and then what I didn't like is that he took shots at at 40, who's you know sick with MS. But that was that crossed the line a little bit, Jordan. So I think I, I'm with you on that one.
1: Big cross. Be he cross. said,
0: "OVO 40 hunched over like 80. Tick tick tick. How much time he got? That man is six six six. I got the flow. Six six six. Wow, those are bars. I don't know how he thought of that. These guys are really creative and lyrical, but." Um, I will have more thoughts on this on Twitter for sure. I think the gloves the gloves must come off because people are mentioning family members, and I think that's important that you protect the fam. Shout out to Thrill, PTF. Protect the family at all costs and understand that, you know, if you're going to speak about somebody in that way, you better be prepared to see them when they pull up on you in these streets. Moving on now to the Cavs and Warriors. Oh, right, go ahead. No, no, wait. We can go back now. I, I can talk about this all day.
2: Well... I thought Pusha T's whole thing was he was always like in the background, you know. He was wasn't he a part of Clips? Yeah, Pusha T. Pusha T has bars though. He goes back to Clips. That grinding. Yeah, and like he was. Yeah, he grind. Yeah, and that his whole thing was he was in the background and he was always kind of an ancillary guy. And now he's injected himself into the national conversation by doing this. But am I wrong to say that that he crossed the line or because I'm not a, I'm not as familiar. Like I I know with. With trash-talking basketball, that's one thing. Is Can you make the same parallel? Like, is there a limit? Because with There's basketball— limits. There's there.
1: limits. for sure.
2: There's
0: a lot of limits <laughs> in basketball. You don't, you don't really mention somebody's baby mother.
1: You, you try to keep it up based on the person. If you're going to talk trash, you're not going to bring in somebody's family or illnesses. Unless
0: you truly hate right. somebody, you don't bring right. up family members. Unless you really prepare Unless to you want to fight. fight. Somebody, yeah, if you want to fight. You're not really bringing up family members, and you're not really bringing up— Things of that nature, to where you're talking about somebody who's things they can't sick. control. Although, things
1: they can't control.
0: Although Tupac, you know, we can, we can rewind it. Tupac definitely talked about somebody in Biggie's entourage <laughs> who was sick and end up dying. But
1: to be fair, they they shot at him and stuff, and it was a little bit different. This is just a battle of words.
0: Right. This is a battle of words, and there's uh, people <laughs> out there allegedly believe that Drake and Pusha T have collabed and are basically trying to continue to build the buzz, build their brands up so that a Pusha T album sales will go up, and b. People are looking for a response from Drake, understanding that his album is the only, only Pusher
1: wins in this. Drake is already one of the biggest names in the pop culture and R and B culture, whatever you want to consider him as. Um, right now, nobody would mention Pusher T. Right now, like he's a topic of conversation, and and that would never happen if it wasn't for Drake entertaining him.
0: Wow, uh, Underdog, aka Rick, has brought more more ideas to me, aka info. A while back, KG said that Charlie Villanueva looked like a cancer patient. So that's. That's crossing the line. That's, that's, yeah, I remember that.
1: And he has a a disease that prevents him from growing hair. Prevents him from growing hair. So that would cross the line. To follow what
0: you said, Jordan, it does happen. People do get out of line. There's also a Honey Nut Cheerios incident, you know, in in past years as well, to where someone said someone's wife tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios, which is foul. And uh, (laughs) I would say that that's crossing the line as well. But, um, this is very interesting. I'm glad we were able to discuss this on the pull-up pod. I think that, that's, that's something that everyone needs to discuss and needs to hear. And this, this downfall, this conflict between Drake and Pusha T, it started years ago. Um, it started years ago, uh, back in 2003, as early as 2003. And in 2006, it was Clips versus Wayne. Um, essentially, you know, starting that beefing thing and going at each other, uh, allegedly over money and, and things of that nature. But moving forward... Cavs-Warriors, we had a great series uh, as a fan who watches the game. Two game sevens, first time since 1979. Uh, Cavs beat Boston on the road. And then the Warriors, you know, some people say they lucked out because CP was hurt. The Warriors end up advancing to the finals, you know, once again to face the Cavs. Um, There were some funny things i seen online, you know, regarding that series. Um, One of them which basically talks about how well LeBron's been playing. You know, he's basically like a machine. And um, if he gets any type of help from his supporting cast, uh, the Warriors will still win in five. <laughs> um, I'm just reading. This is a quote. This is a quote. So, for those major news news networks and, and out there who are going to try to quote me, yeah, don't shoot the and, messenger. And me, don't shoot the messenger. This was said, and I'm just repeating what was said. What are your thoughts on this series, Jordan? Eric, what are your thoughts on this uh, potential series um, with the Cavs facing the Warriors? Um,
2: First of all. Some of the criticism of Kevin Durant was fascinating to me, just going to the Warrior side, because there was a sentiment that he wasn't doing a lot and that he struggled, but he actually he did struggle at times in that series against Houston, but he had 194 points in seven games. That broke the all-time Western Conference record. So Jeez. I'm not sure how fair it was because at the end of the day, in game seven, he was huge for them, and, and he was fantastic, and they don't win that series without him. So with that being said... His responsibility against Cleveland, to me, will not be the same as it was against Houston, because Houston is more equipped to beat Golden State than than the Cavs. Now, I, I don't know what LeBron would need to do for them to win this series, but it's it's got to be somewhere along the lines of a of averaging a thirty five point triple double. I, I don't know how else, because I, are you going to say okay, point triple double? Yeah. I, well, I'm saying like I, unless he goes. Unless he's inc- incredible and almost flawless for for six, seven games, whatever, then how is Cleveland going to win a championship? How are they going to beat Golden State? It's not going to be because you know guys like I mean, you might get a, a good game out of J.R. Smith, or but w- they're relying on Jeff Green and they're relying on um, guys that haven't really proved themselves and, and that have had a couple of good games in the playoffs. Like Green was good against Boston, but you're you're not. You can't tell me that that Cleveland. Is going to win this series without LeBron playing flawless basketball, and even then, I'm not sure it's enough. What, what about you? I mean, I think you hit it around the head. I, 35 point triple
0: double is is something LeBron is capable of. He's done it in past years, and his performance in the finals has been out this world. He's been efficient as, as it gets. He's played essentially every minute. He's blocked shots. He's done a little bit of everything. You know, in in 18, he's averaging 34, nine, and nine. and not, that's ridiculous. So basically he's averaging a 35 point triple double right now. He's going to need to take those numbers up a little bit, get to the free throw line a little bit more and, Try to get Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or whoever is checking him out of the game. I think if he's able to do that, you know that that makes it the game a lot more competitive for the Cavs and, and puts them in a position where they have a chance to succeed. But I think you hit it on the head. It's not going to be what LeBron does. It's going to be what the supporting cast does. You know, you never know which which supporting cast you're going to get from the Cavs. They've been very consistent at home and, and pretty inconsistent on the road, except for that Game Seven um, on the road against Boston. But I think that it's going to be extremely tough. It's going to be extremely tough to beat the Warriors. It's hard to beat them four times, especially when they have home court advantage, and especially when you're not sure what type of production you're going to get from the other cast, uh, other cast members. But I will say this, Kyrie Irving's not walking through that door, and he's a guy who was able to get 40 and hit big shots down the stretch. So um, they're going to need Kevin Love to be aggressive and efficient and stay healthy throughout this series, and they're going to need an aggressive George Hill to have a chance.
1: As for me, I think... Um As much as we're from Ohio, I obviously root for Portland. Um, And if you could see any team win, you'd like to see the Cavs. But it's just not realistic. Um, You're expecting a Cavaliers team who's not as good as last year, a team that lost in five games um, to the Warriors with Kyrie. And you thought like maybe LeBron had one of the best finals performances we've seen. Um, He averaged 34 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists through five games, and they still lost in five. And that's considering that – Kyrie Irvin scored almost 30 points a game. So where are they going to get 30 points a game from? I don't know. But that still wasn't enough um, for them to even extend the series beyond mid. So I just think Golden State has a little bit too much, um, too much firepower, too many mismatches. They have guys who are really struggling um, on the road as far as the Cleveland goes. Guys maybe show up sometimes at home, but you just really don't know what you're going to get from them. And, you know, when you're playing against a juggernaut offensively like the Warriors, um, having some performances isn't going to get it done. So I just feel like yeah. if it goes five games, I feel like LeBron's amazing um, either way. And I think no one can hold it down um, or blame him for the series, you know, maybe going four or five games. It's not his fault. He's done his job. He's took a team beyond measure than any of us could have thought.
0: Yeah, I think looking at the numbers, LeBron basically averaged a 35-point triple-double. So he's going to need to do more than that for them to have 45. a chance, which is ridiculous. But... <laughs> I think in a perfect world, LeBron takes them five games. I think he's good enough to win one game by himself regardless of what help he gets. Outside of that, it's going to be hard to, to win two games by himself. He'll need a lot of help. He'll need people to step up and contribute. He'll also need, you know, guys to be able to keep the ship afloat while he's on the bench. You know, that third quarter run the, the Warriors go on every game is is crucial. And you got KD, who averaged 32, almost 33 points a game last year in the finals. And you got Steph, who's capable of putting up 30. You got Clay, who's capable of putting up 30. It's, there's so many weapons, and, and they play it's, it's unfortunate. It's like you know, showing up with a with a water gun when the other team has a bazooka.
1: They play with pace too, so it's going to be extremely difficult for LeBron to play forty eight, forty six, forty five minutes. Um, the tempo that they play is going to be extremely wearing and taxing on his body. But you also have to remember that it's just. The home crowd is going to be a lot, and I think what can help Cleveland is if Iggy is inactive. I think that can help make a difference, but even so, um, they had problems with Tatum. Uh, Jason Tatum's a great player, and he's going to have a special career in this league, but he's no Kevin Durant. Um, Also, Terry Rozier was able to get off in several games, and he's special, but um, he's not at the level of Stephen Curry. So just look at some of those performances. um, If the Warriors play to their potential, um, it could get ugly quick. As much as I don't want to see that,
2: Eric, I'm glad you brought up Iggy because last year against the Cavs, he was instrumental in bothering James. In fact, just as a point of reference, he the, the offensive rating that LeBron had against Durant was one thirty, and against Iggy, that dropped fourteen points to one sixteen per hundred possessions. That gives you a sense of Iggy Igadala's defense, and obviously we know he can play make. So. Uh, with that being said, he's obviously not going to be 100% in this series. Both of these teams are vulnerable. We know about Cleveland, but this is not the same Warriors team of a year ago. In fact, last year, these two teams combined to go 24-1 and entering the finals. This year, obviously considerably different. The Warriors go to a Game 7. Cleveland has two Game 7s. So I just wonder with the fatigue factor, where does that come into play? and then pushing the pace, making sure that LeBron is not comfortable and that he's he's tired. Uh, whether or not he's gas going into this finals, we know he's tired at the very least. Yeah, I think you, you said
0: it. You hit it around the head. You have to make them uncomfortable. A lot of times throughout a game, Steph or Clay. it's freed up and they find a three-pointer in in the corner or they get a transition three and the basket opens up for them. So you have to try to prevent those easy opportunities, understanding that they're going to make tough baskets. you got to make it as tough on them as possible. And then the other way to really punish them is to go at them on offense. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been successful in the regular season. And, And then in the playoffs, they kind of tighten things up and they do a better job of defending. But you have to attack them. You know, like like they attack James Harden on the defensive end, they attack Steph Curry. You got to put Steph in pick and rolls. You got to put Steph in isolation situations. And obviously, when Kyrie Irving was with the the Cavs, that was the ideal for them. You know, to try to exploit those matchups. But look for LeBron to be the main ball handler, and look for him to try to get Steph Curry in as many pick and rolls as possible to try to promote a switch and try to make him as tired as possible while wearing him down. But I think for us, we just tried to attack. You know, try to stay in attack mode, be aggressive, understanding that they're going to make tough shots shoot, one game, KD gave us 50, and we still ended up coming away with a victory, so being able to withstand those blows, those runs, those big shots, and being able to have players who can hit big shots, obviously LeBron can, Love's been able to hit some big threes at times, but being able to find someone who's going to consistently make shots for the Cavs and consistently, you know, not, not kind of blink an eye or bat an eye or, you know, Timid, tighten up, and be afraid to shoot down the stretch of games. And JR's one of those guys who's never afraid. So I look for him to be aggressive and, and be a key factor in this series.
2: I totally hear what you're saying, but neither one of these teams, I wonder, and that maybe this maybe this helps the Cavs, because neither one of these teams is playing or is flawless. Like last year they were combined 17-1, 17-1 going into the finals when they played each other. This year, you have both teams that at least seem vulnerable, especially the Warriors. For for what they are, it doesn't seem like they're as dominant. You know, guys like guys, good players that are that are that have helped them. Guys like Jordan Bell and Looney and Quinn Cook. Th- these guys are getting minutes, whereas I'm not sure last year they would have. So I wonder, does it does it help the Cavs that that maybe the Warriors, even though the Cavs maybe aren't as good as they were last year, obviously without Kyrie but the Warriors aren't invincible. Is there? Does that psychological element matter at this level? I guess that's for both of you, having played against elite players for a long time.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with um, the leaders starting to catch up a little bit. Um, you know, Houston added some pieces. Uh, you know, the Western teams were playing at a high level. Um, even the Pelicans, um, you know, they pushed them to the brink a little bit, even though it was a, what, a five-game series. Um, it still was a lot of close games there and things that came down to in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Boston team was much stronger this year. Um, the Pacers were a surprise. I think, obviously, um, both rosters were hurt by free agency. Um, some financial decisions, some players they had to let go. Um, some under-the-radar guys, you know, like Ian Clark, um, you know, Mo Spates, you know, some guys that, you know, help turn the tide with the second unit that maybe don't get, you know, a lot of credit, but they're good players. As far as Richard Jefferson for Cleveland, you know, these are the guys who, you know, kind of the unsung heroes. So when you lose some of the key pieces, you have to plug in new guys who maybe aren't familiar with the offense, um, the defense, the terms, the flow. You have to build chemistry with them again. And, you know, sometimes the pieces don't fit you know, right away as you've seen what the Cavs making those changes in those trades. But I think you just have to give credit to a lot of other teams in the lead and some of the decisions they made as far as personnel moves go and just trying to catch up. Everybody's making their team based on, in the East, how to beat Cleveland. And if you're in the West, everybody is modeling their team off the Warriors.
0: Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. And one of the other things that has affected both rosters is injuries. Without Igudala, I think the Warriors are a completely different team. You know, he gives them that dynamic to where they're able to switch everything. They're able to not have, they're able to play KD at the five, allows the wings to rest, Klay Thompson can rest, certain guys can rest and allows Iggy to to really, you know, take on the challenge at the defensive end while being a veteran guy who hits big shots and is able to, you know, slash the lane, get to the basket and make, make plays. So you take him out and you got Patrick McCall who's been hurt and hasn't been able to play. And they're a little they're a little thin on the wing position. So I think that's you know, also been a
2: a pretty big factor for them. Eric, you mentioned the minutes, and CJ, you and I have talked about this. Nobody played more minutes this year than LeBron. At what point will Golden State try to force that pace even more to try and wear him out, knowing that, you know, he played all 48 against Indiana, he really didn't come out the entire series against Boston and they've had two game sevens, knowing that he's probably gassed or at least tired going into the series? Um,
1: I think it is a big factor. Um, A lot of people underestimate that, but they played an 82-game season. Uh, You have to remember, this is his 14th or 15th year? 15th. 15th year. He's already played a lot of games. Every year he's been making it deep into the playoffs, deep into the finals, uh, shorter breaks, but um, many of those years he was playing on the national team with the U.S., so even shorter, and you know, eventually it's gonna take his toe. What's saving LeBron is um, obviously he's a freak of nature. Um, he's been blessed with a body that you know, most people don't have. Um, he also spends uh, an abundance of money on his body to be able to fight through, um, through the grind, through the season, but I mean, at 33 years of age, it's, it's gonna take its toe, and I'm torn between should the Warriors play him one-on-one and allow him to attack and be aggressive and exert a lot of injur- or energy, or, you know, should they double him and make the others um, step up and make plays and, you know, make him work for his points? So, I, I'm not sure which, you know, strategy they should approach. I'm sure Kerr is going to have, you know, mix and match and sometimes doubling, sometimes let him go one-on-one, but for sure he's going to get tired. Um, also, with the travel, going back and forth from Cleveland to um, California, it's not an easy trip either, so... Um, he'll wear down some, but you know, it's on his teams to help him, and you know, if they provide that offense output, he won't have to exert as much energy, and he can find times to rest on the court during free throws, fouls, um, when plays are for other people as well.
0: I think he hit it right on the head. They're going to let him get his, and obviously they can't stop him, but it's the supporting cast that, that, that is going to be the difference, the supporting cast and what they're able to accomplish out there.
1: And it's a lot of new guys who've never played in the finals or been in that moment. Facts.
2: Yeah, well, the the Warriors are you know they have young players, but their core is incredibly experienced. The Cavs have obviously Love and and Jr. and LeBron, and they've been here at Corver, but you know they they just don't have the ancillary parts. And with with Love not being a hundred percent, you know I would argue I don't know if there's a more more important player other than LeBron than Love. You know maybe Jeff Green, but like. That's the difference. Maybe it's George Hill. The Warriors have four guys, and they have—they might not have as deep a bench as they've had in the past. But you know, these guys—they don't need Durant. The whole point is they don't need Durant to play 48. He doesn't need to play 40. Steph doesn't have to play 40. These guys can rest, and they can allow some of the younger players to to spell them. You mentioned McCaw. Cleveland doesn't have that, and that's why CJ. It's kind of like when you said with the New Orleans series and Golden State you thought Anthony Davis could get them one maybe can LeBron get Cleveland two is that the max now considering his supporting cast is is not very strong
0: yeah i mean i don't see him winning two games i could be wrong but i don't i just don't see it i don't see it happening i think anything is possible you never know what's going to happen throughout a series there've been injuries there've been foul trouble situations that you can't control and that just kind of come about but Based on the depth and the situation with the matchups, I don't see the Cavs winning two games. I think LeBron's good enough to win one, and I think he's good enough to be competitive in every game. But I don't think they have the the firepower to to be able to really get through this.
2: What's our level of excitement in this series? Is it, if if a ten is our most excited? I, I'll tell you, I'm at probably a seven. I'm at a three. A three? Uh, oh my goodness! I'm
1: at I'm I mean, at a no. five. It's it's gonna be domination. I mean, what's scary is that. LeBron has to play phenomenal every night. And one of the Warriors players, right. either KD, either Steph, or Clay, they can play horrible, and they still have a chance to win. If LeBron has one bad game, it's, there's no chance. It's a 20-point loss. If he plays great, it's still a chance to lose, but you know, they'll be in the game going into the fourth.
0: Yeah, mine's a three, and after game one, I don't know, I don't know how many more games I'll watch, honestly. Uh, I'll be more interested in seeing if Drake responds
2: to Pusha T's diss track. That's just how I feel, personally. The Cavs have a point differential under 1, plus .9 in the regular season. That's the worst clip of a finals team since 1981. And they're going up against the Warriors, who've consistently, over the last four years, have the highest clip. And this year, they were plus 5, which is incredible. So, I'm, I'm with you guys.
1: If you compare LeBron's finals teams, how good is this team, do you guys think? How good is this team compared to the other teams that have made the trips? Is this the second? This
0: is on par with the this team. Is the
1: second worst? Second this worst. Is on par with the yes. San
0: Antonio team, the team they played. Yeah, in the San Eric
1: Snow, Zunis Jokausis, yeah. Ira Nubo.
0: They're
2: on par with those guys. Shout out to East Snow. East Snow can Ohio. Shout out to East <laughs> Snow. But but Love would have been the best player on those teams. The second oh. best player. So they, they that's why they're not the worst. He right. I agree. Yeah.
0: No, I agree with that one hundred percent. I said they're on par. I'd say it's close. Mo Williams was an all-star that year. Yeah, Mo Williams was. Shout out to Mo Williams. One of those years. He <laughs> was an all-star. He was. Shout out to Mo Williams. I think it's time for us to cue the wine music. Even though I didn't have any wine this week, I still have a, a recommendation for those out there who are interested. Thank you. All right. Log into my Vivino app. It's been a while since I had the Walter Scott, so I'm going to recommend another Walter Scott to you guys. But I'm also, I'm also going to recommend this Dundee that I tasted the other day. So it's called Winderella. That's right, Winderella. It's a Pinot Noir and it's priced as $39.99 on Vivino. And then the Walter mm-hmm. Scott that I love so very much from Freedom Hill and I haven't had in a while. It's a 4.4 rating on Vivino and it's priced at $49.98. That's right, the 15 Freedom Hill Pinot Noir and I'd be remiss if I don't thank Big Bro for coming on, man. Appreciate you coming on. We come a long way from Goshen College, come a long way from my, my spring break trips. People don't know I used to take my spring break trips to Goshen College so I could play FIFA in the dorm room, make rap music, and kick it with Big Bro. I do have a track out there somewhere. I hope it never is released because there's a lot of explicit content on there, and uh, I'm afraid I'll be judged for it. So. I had to get that off my chest. Appreciate you, big bro, for being who you are, for helping me develop into the player that I am today. And thank you for making me shoot 500 jumpers, 100 made free throws and micing layups every day, even when I didn't feel like it. (laughs) But now my jumper's wet. And I also remember one thing. I I got this in my notes. When I was in high school, middle school, I was your little brother. I told you one day you'll be known as CJ's brother. You used to laugh. (laughs) He used to laugh all the time And you said that If that day comes Then that means Eric, did job. you are not bro. a nice guy No, he used to laugh And he said that If that happens Then that means he did his job As a big brother He did his <laughs> job <laughs> Big bro did his job and but,
1: Wow Well, I appreciate you For bringing me on the show And I'm proud of all your success And I know you have even more in store um, The sky's the limit And I look forward to seeing it all unfold Go Blazers uh, Shout out to the haters We'll be back stronger next year <laughs>
0: always appreciate the haters man and don't forget to follow the show at pull up pod on twitter facebook instagram subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast that you can follow me on twitter at cj mccullum on instagram at 3j mccullum on snapchat at cjm313 you can follow eric at e-r-r-i-c-k-m-3 and snapchat is is none of y'all business jordan where can they follow you at
2: At Schultz underscore report on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Jordan Schultz on Facebook. And Eric, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for coming on, my man. It's
1: been nice meeting you, Jordan, and I look forward to doing it again.
2: And always, (laughs) (laughs) don't
0: forget to pull.
2: pull up.